We're continuing in our series, Awesome, the Nature and Names of Jesus. And we're going back to Hebrews chapter 13. We didn't have time to finish that uh, last week. Now, before I do that, I am required by federal law uh, to make a public service announcement to you. I attended uh, the men's retreat over this past weekend, and I just need to say to you, uh, if, if anybody has complaints about any sermons going forward, I now know how to throw an axe. So there is about one out of 17 chance that I'll actually hit you, but that's still a pretty good number. So, all right. We've been talking about, in the book of Hebrews, the majesty of the person of Jesus, the majesty of the work of Jesus, and then that third section, the faithfulness of God's people, and now this last section, which ends up being just the last chapter it's really a, a chapter of exhortations. It's, it's, it's many sermons. They're very sharp, very abrupt, but that's really what this book is, the book of Hebrews. It's a sermon, and now you're getting these mini sermons just shot at you. Not a lot of, not a lot of comment, just be this, do this. This is, this is I pray, a, a, a preparation for us for the table today, but also a reminder for the book, from the book of Hebrews to us by the Spirit, this is who you are to be. This is how you are uh, to be. Last week, we talked about the love of the church must continue, but also the way we take Jesus to others has to continue, to the strangers, to the ill-treated, to the prisoner. Jesus went outside the gate for us, so as his followers, we must go outside the gate to love and to reach all who need him. And I love that word, all. Uh, we, I love that it's, all of the love of the church must uh, 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 continue. And I love that God won't settle for less and won't let us settle for less than all. We had Dr. Gary Cockrell with us a couple of weeks ago, and we were learning to study our Bible better. And it's that passage where Jesus releases that man from a legion, right? If you remember that. And they go into the pigs, and the pigs run into the, into the water and drown. He had an interesting theory why did, I'm just going to point to you and you tell me, why did the pigs go into the water? Ready? Well, here's, here's his idea. It was Jesus. Now, many theologians and, and Bible scholars say, well, no, 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 no. It's just like the demonic to cause harm, to try to make you hurt yourself. That's what just happened to this man who was possessed. So when they come in, they go in the water. Some would say, no, it's just pigs freaking out. What's just happened to me? And they run to the water to get this off. But I love what Gary Cockrell says. Um, he talks about when Jesus comes, he comes for all. He didn't just come to, to clean a cemetery that would have been unclean. He didn't just come to free that man. He didn't just come to cast out legion. But the pigs in that culture and by the word of the Old Testament under that covenant, they're unclean. I won't settle for less. Anything that gets in the way of a right relationship with you, any environment that is temptation or draws you away, it's got to go. It's got to go. I want all. And that's what we're looking at. These are hard statements we're going to wrestle with very quickly because we have communion, so we're going to race through them. If we need to talk more, we can. But it's Jesus saying, I'm coming to you. I want holiness in every relationship you have. I want holiness in your heart. I want it to be settled. And I want holiness in your mind and in your thinking. So let's look at these verses together. I know very, very quickly because the way we go about this too it's not just for our own discipleship. 
Yes, I want to live rightly before the Lord in these relationships and in these ways so I can be clean before him, I can be pleasing to him, but it also will help us earn the right to speak to a world that's wrestling with all three of these things. Phil will tell you, rightly tell you, there's so many ways to serve in salt and light. Having been to Honduras and on that kind of trip, you, they're gonna, they can set you up to help with, with medical ministry to people. They can help. They can set you up to do construction ministry. There's all kinds of relational ministry, worship ministry. But one of the areas that Phil is passionate about is going door to door and telling people about Jesus. And, and the door to that literally is open because of people loving people well. There are conditions that the church is being the church with their love and their mercy and their help. And that opens the door for people like Phil to go in and tell them about Jesus. Why we love like that is because we've been so loved. And so much of what we're hearing here, not only is it something for our discipleship, but you and I have to be so careful in these areas because it can close down ministry. If we're not faithful here, those out there will not hear us. They just won't. So, verse 4, holiness of relationship. Marriage is to be honored. Roman culture didn't think much of marriage in that day, so when the church honors marriage, that's certainly a sign to this culture that there's something else for that relationship. Now listen, some church fathers and mothers tried to shut that down and say, well, we don't really need to marry. Now listen, Jesus, Paul, and other scriptures says we don't have to. All of us actually need to. Students here, we need to wrestle with that call. Is the Lord calling me to marriage? But you don't have to marry, but marriage is to be held in honor. It pushed back against Roman culture of that day and some people who were off in Christianity that day. But then this second phrase here is this reminder, there has to be a holiness within the marriage relationship. And again, in the Greco-Roman world, there was not that in marriage. What a gift and witness it is to this world. Uh, when those of us who have not entered into the covenant marriage have holiness of relationship before marriage. What a gift it is to this world for those of us who are in the covenant of marriage that that marriage is holy before the Lord, that we are not, that we don't drift away, we don't drift away to any, we don't entertain any one, any thought, any image that is outside of the context of marriage. Hebrews pulls no punches here. Hebrews pulls no punches about judgment for that, that that, that gift of God has to be cleaned before him. It's our stewardship and it's a right response before God uh, to not, uh, uh, and, and again, it'll hurt our ministry uh, to those who look at us. And I don't often read pagan writers of that time, but for this week was reading pagan writers of that time who looked at Christians and they were just baffled. They, were, they looked at Christian marriages and they were baffled and said, these Christians refrain, rule, and control themselves in their keen pursuit of virtue. They have attained a pitch not inferior to that of real philosophers. They're overwhelmed. They honor marriage. Before marriage, they honor marriage. How is it you and I need to, to make sure we're clean before the Lord? Yes, in our discipleship. But if we're, if we're careless in that way, it's going to burn. It's going to burn our witness to others. There is forgiveness. We're about to come to this table. 
Jesus, as Brene reminded us and Hebrews reminded us, he died once for all for us. There is forgiveness when we repent before the Lord. Uh, but there's a reminder to the church here uh, today. We've got to be holy in our relationships. Verse 4, now to verse 5. It's holiness of heart as well. Be content. There is to be no love of money, to be, to not have covetousness. And I thought, man, these, these are so weird, these quick transitions, and how does that fit? But it fits perfectly. If you go, if you go to the, the Ten Commandments, it just, it just fits and actually flows when you watch the Seventh and Eighth Commandment. If you are willing to take someone that is not yours, then you will take something that is not uh, yours. And so the warning to make sure your hearts are settled in the Lord. We looked at that word Philadelphia last week, love for the brothers. Uh, we looked at another word for love for the stranger, which we have to have. But here it plays with that word, with three words, not love, and then it throws in the word silver. That our hearts have got to be content in Christ. Is Christ enough. One of the great gifts you and I will give our neighbors and our friends and our families is to have a heart settled in Jesus. That I know I'm his. That his spirit is testified to my spirit. I am his. He is enough. I don't have to be grasping. Genesis 3, that's, that's, that's the start of sin. Whatever that fruit was on that tree of Eve grasping, of Adam grasping to try to fill how important it is for you and I maybe to come to this table and to tell Jesus again, you're enough. Would you come and fill me anew? And what a gift that will be to our culture that we're not frenetic, we're not grasping. Our hearts are settled because they're settled in Christ. And then quickly, verses eight through nine, just as a reminder again to love God, not just through the holiness of relationships, the holiness of our hearts, but the holiness of our minds. He reminds the church then who have been tempted to mix certain theologies and philosophies and all these ideas, you've got to be clean in your thinking. My father-in-law let me borrow a book, uh, Gary Cockrell's commentary. It's a 13-chapter book, the book of Hebrews. His commentary is 742 pages. So I have this brick sitting on my table uh, for, for part of my study, and in the introduction to that, he wrote Dr. Joe and had a sweet note and gave him one verse, and it's the verse that Renee shared with us today. He is the same, yesterday and today and forever. He is, he's always been good. He's always been love. He's always been holy. He's always been reaching. Whatever has been believed about him should be believed about him. And you just see the ministry of Jesus then as our high priest. He stands, as Hebrews reminds us, as our advocate, as our, as our priest today. Even though he died once for all, he still advocates. There's so much here as a reminder to us for you and I to hold on to sound doctrine. We are bombarded every minute with some kind of new thinking or new idea. It is a gift to our friends and to our coworkers who are struggling and again are seeing all these ideas bubble up to be able to say, I'm clear about who Jesus is. He is the divine son of God who came in flesh 
for us. To be clear about who Christ is, to be clear about what salvation is. That's how the author of Hebrews starts, chapter 2, 1. He says, we've got to pay closer attention to what we have heard. We cannot drift away from it. This great salvation you have in Jesus, and now he's closing with that as well. The same theme, don't be carried away. What a gift to those who are in need to be clear about Jesus. Love of the brethren, it's got to continue. Love for those who, need, or who are in need. Teresa of Alvilla said to us, the church, Christ has no body on earth but yours, no hands, no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes with which Christ looks out. His compassion to the world, we've got to love those who need Jesus. But also then, church, for our own right response to God, how is it in our relationships there needs to be a deepening holiness. That we have deeper care before marriage, in marriage. It really helps earn us the right to, to a confused culture. It did in this day. But also, is our, is our heart struggling today? How, does, how, how can you and I come to this table and say, Lord, would you settle that today? Remind me that I'm yours. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm quick to fret I'm quick to, to grasp, would you come and settle that today and just fill me anew uh, with your presence and with your assurance? And then to say we're going to do the hard work, the hard work of, of reading and thinking and praying. So when I get asked the question by my children or grandchildren, when I have that, opera, that divine appointment where somebody out there asks me about Jesus, I can clearly say, oh, he is the Christ, the son of the living God.